One. And we are recording with Miss Claire Lopez. And the reasons for the, as I told Claire beforehand, for the creepy dark lighting is, as I said in the update, I have a concussion and uh, everything hurts right now. And this is the first podcast I've done in a week. And Claire is going to carry the show, whether she likes it or not. And uh, I'm going to sit here and nod as she does my job. So Ms. Lopez, please introduce yourself for all the new listeners. Sure. Well, I, I really hope you feel better soon. Um, that, that can't be fun. Uh, so take it easy. Um, but I, I, I'll, I'll bring up two things today, maybe half and half of the show. Um, the first thing, obviously, is uh, the horrific, um, you know, shooting of the school children and uh, uh, teachers inside that elementary school um, in Uvilde, Texas, yesterday. Uh, last thing I've heard is that I think 19 children, these are elementary school, eight, nine, 10 year old little kids were killed. And I think two adults um, at the school, perhaps both teachers. Um, uh, all the details are not quite out yet. Uh, but then a, an heroic um, off duty border uh, protection officer um, in the area responded. Uh, came to the school, did not even wait for backup, went charging into the school by himself and took out the shooter. So uh, that, that is the one more, um, you know, of, of the count, uh, the body count. Yeah. Um, you know, you look at the photographs of these little kids that are starting to come out today on the news and they're just the sweetest little faces, little kids. I mean, I'm a mother, uh, many of the, you know, your listeners, Tommy, uh, maybe parents, you can only imagine what, what, what those families are going through. Now, Uvilde uh, turns out to be a very small town. It's only got a little more than 15,000 people in it. It's located sort of in the southwestern part of Texas. And um, many of um, the people with homes there do belong to uh, border protection uh, families yeah. um, who serve uh, maybe a little further south, actually on the border, but but their homes are there. Um, but in a in a town of that size, that small, you know that everybody knows everybody. Yeah. And and this is this has just got to be, I mean, just heartbreaking. As a mother, I I just can't even imagine. Yeah. Um, but a few things, uh, you know, some some comments that that I've heard in in, in different um, you know analyses uh, on news shows and that. Um, number one, we have absolutely got to turn our schools into hard targets. Right yeah. now, they are the softest of soft targets. You've got security, armed security, crawling all over every sporting event, every concert event, all kinds of other events. Yeah. And schools, they're, they're, yeah. they're open invitations um, to those with malign intent who would do harm you've got to have a single point of entry to these schools locked you've got to have at least one armed um, guard uh, be it retired former military be it uh, former or currently serving law enforcement or whatever but trained armed uh, guard at that entrance that single point of entry entrance and i would also say 
um, that at least a couple or three of the staff, teaching and admin, whatever, of that school uh, need to be well-trained and concealed carry um, yeah. to, 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 to avoid this. The third thing, I was just on a, a, another interview a moment ago before we started this one and uh, talking to um, those hosts on, on that particular program. Uh, by the way, that was Pastor Greg uh, Young at Chosen Generation Radio, where I was. Um, but we were talking about how in other places like Israel, for example, where the civilian population is under constant threat from, you know, violent Islamic terrorists, from jihadis, the school kids are taught, um, if you can get out another doorway, get out and flee. But if you cannot, if you're stuck in a room and you can't escape, do not go hiding under the desk. The Israeli children are taught immediately start throwing everything you can put your hands on at the assailant, Uh, your backpacks, your books, uh, your cell phones, um, whatever comes to hand, just the entire classroom start throwing things at that assailant to disorient uh, and and uh, put it put him off, uh, you know, his his intent. Um, American kids need to be taught that, too. Anyway, those those are some of the things that, that, that come to mind for me first, um, you know, with regard to that horrific, terrible tragedy down there. Yeah. And by the way, I'm, I'm looking down because the screen's bright. I'm not looking at my phone or something. No, um, that's okay. Yeah, no, I, I just realized that. Um, yeah, no, it's, uh, I mean, as always, once there's one of these shootings, there's everyone has the hot take, right? And they're normally pretty disgusting. It's, this is why we need gun control or... This is why crazy liberals are going to grab your guns. But I mean, even let's just say in a vacuum, they they make all guns illegal tomorrow, which I'm totally against, which is totally impossible. But even if they did, there would still be what, like half a billion guns in the United States. So even if we got to there are no more guns, just snap your fingers. Everyone agrees. Get rid of the Second Amendment, except for everyone that owns a gun. These would still occur. So at a certain point is the only solution to make them uh, a hard target with security. And I'm, I'm, I'm saying that in agreement with your agreement with you, because I mean, I used to think about that all the time when I was at the university of Georgia, 2011, 2013, they used to never walk through the center of campus during the middle of the day. And yeah, I'd always sit at the front of the classroom right near an exit. Cause I always just used to think like, man, I'm sitting in a room with 300 students if someone comes in here, it's just going to be shooting fish in a barrel. But something like a college campus is a little different. I mean, you've got hundreds of buildings and 30,000 students spread out over acres. Is there a, do you think that there is a way to um, like effectively do this? Because I'm sure right after 9-11, they'd say, how can we possibly do this? And we did, you know, we had the TSA for all of its flaws. And for, for the most part, you really probably can't sneak into an airport. So it can be done. Do you think that's a realistic thing that will happen or? It's absolutely a realistic thing. And it will happen if we, the people, the parents uh, demand it. Elections are coming up. Primaries are being held right now all over the country. Primaries in Texas actually were yesterday. Uh, They're being held in many other states around the country uh, through the the coming months of this year. Uh, Parents, 
American citizens, patriots, demand that those running for office, whether incumbents looking for another term or a new candidate uh, looking, looking to, to win office for the first time maybe, demand that this be one of their primary issues, securing our children in our schools, instituting the measures, taking the measures um, that will secure those schools. I mean, there's no reason not to. Uh, the schools, the public schools around this country were, were bombarded with gazillions of dollars uh, during uh, the, uh, the SARS-CoV-2 pandemic. And as I understand it, a lot of that money was not spent even now. And uh, that of the money that was spent, um, who knows where it went? Teachers unions, um, kind of powerful. But it must be demanded uh, that, that that kind of funding um, be, 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 be given to schools for the express, you know, labeled purpose, tagged purpose of hardening the schools uh, against this kind of intrusion. Uh, the things that I talked about before, to make the schools a hard target uh, and to provide security, armed security, inside those schools. Um, I think it's up to we, the people. It's up to us, we, the people. Yeah. Uh, you know, to demand those things of our elected representatives. Yes. Yeah. Um, to kind of shift, because um, one thing I always bring up on here is election integrity. What was the election last week? I don't know if it's still ongoing, where like the day of, there's a bunch of glitches. They turned down people because there weren't enough ballots. And I think the counting might still be going on. Was it was it Pennsylvania or? or you might be or? thinking of Pennsylvania. I don't know all the details about it. I I myself live in Virginia, um, but uh, the the race that, that that's still undecided is the primary race on the Republican side um, for uh, uh, senator, uh, the Senate race from Virginia where you've got a very, very razor thin, close um, contest between Dave McCormick and uh, the, uh, the Turkish Muslim uh, uh, Mehmet Oz. And uh, that counting apparently is still going on. And yes, Oz does hold Turkish citizenship, voted in Turkey, served his military duty in Turkey and somehow has dual citizenship in the United States. Go figure. It's a little head scratchy. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Um, to end, obviously, as I think anyone listening to this podcast can tell, I'm absolutely not 100% on the ball. What do you think about a monkeypox? And what do you think about how, and maybe I'm spreading fake news. I don't know. I guess that's what this podcast is known for now we, we bring you, we bring <laughs> no, you the best, we bring you the best of the fake news no 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 um but apparently last year bill gates was doing like a like publicly doing like a tabletop exercise for an yeah, outbreak yeah. Of so, I mean, that started yeah, on I mean, may 15th 2020 yeah people people are doing tabletop exercises like this all the time sure. that, that's irrelevant okay um what 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 matters um is uh, is that monkeypox um, number one is endemic uh, in Africa. Uh, the host population for monkeypox are animals, in particular rodents, not necessarily monkeys. Um, but that in Africa um, 
unfortunately, too often, uh, people come into direct contact, either maybe being bitten or otherwise, uh, with wild animals. And that is how uh, this particular pox is transferred to humans. Um, uh, there, are, there are many poxes in this particular family of orthopox viruses, including camelpox, smallpox, monkeypox. Um, and uh, they are typically, um, uh, they're, they're characterized by um, uh, the, the, uh, the lesions on the skin uh, and also things like um, a fever and, and, and general malaise and um, muscle aches and, and things like that. Uh, Monkeypox typically does not have a high mortality rate. Um, but what appears to have happened uh, in this particular case right now uh, here um, in the West uh, is that there were two gay pride raves held recently, one in the Canary Islands in uh, Spain and the other in Berlin in Germany. And uh, people came to those uh, events from all over the world, including Africa. And um, by contact tracing, it appears that uh, the cases of, of uh, monkeypox can be traced back to one or the other, both maybe people could have attended both. They weren't at the same time. They were one after the other, uh, could have attended both of those and then come back to whatever home country uh, they were from. But unfortunately, in particular, um, this, this particular uh, monkeypox, uh, according to the CDC and the World Health Organization, uh, seems to be uh, spread through um, gay sex. Uh, in, in, in short, that, that is what's happening with this. Now, uh, on the positive side, as I've said, uh, it, is not, it is not very contagious at all. There has to be very close, basically skin-to-skin -skin contact with an infected person for someone to catch this. Uh, number two, again, as I've said, not a very high mortality rate. That's a good thing. And the third thing I'll say is that for anyone who's ever been vaccinated against smallpox, that very likely is protection against uh, this monkeypox as well. They're related. Um, and the reason that uh, a smallpox uh, vaccination, maybe even from years ago, likely is still effective is because this particular virus uh, does not mutate very quickly, if at all. And so a vaccination, even from years ago for smallpox, which likewise does not mutate very much, um, uh, likely uh, endures. Uh, the, the antibody um, you know, response in the body uh, will likely still be effective um, because these viruses just do not mutate very much or very quickly. In complete contrast, by the way, um, to the family of coronaviruses, which include common cold, influenza, and SARS-CoV-2. So um, deep breaths. Um, this is not something that can cause a pandemic. Um, it is not aerosolized into teeny tiny 0.1 micron size uh, particles like the SARS-CoV-2. Uh, again, very close um, basically skin-to-skin -skin contact unless somebody absolutely sneezes flat out right in your face. 
you're not going to catch this. You're just, you're just not going to catch this. And if you've been vaccinated against smallpox in the past, uh, you're probably okay. And if it does turn into a pandemic, I have my army of misinformation doctors and we will, uh, we'll combat the holy word of Fauci. Um, you sent me a, a, a text the other day and I have not been reading any text because my head feels like it's on fire. But I did look at the first like line. No, no, no. Don't feel bad for me. I'm an idiot. It was entirely self-inflicted alcohol and gravity. Do not feel bad for me. You said something about uh, uh, China preparing for war or right. China preparations. So, yeah. So this is the story. Um, on May 14, that would be just a couple of weeks ago here. We're in 2022. A very high level meeting was held in Beijing, China. Attending the meeting were uh, senior officials of in particular, uh, the People's Liberation Army Military Command of Guangdong Province, which is that province of China on the East Coast, the bulge part of China, if you can think of the geography there, south of Beijing, that's that province on the coast. So those officials were there, um, as well as uh, Chinese Communist Party officials from Guangdong uh, and from the Beijing area, of course, too. And the purpose of the meeting was to begin uh, to establish procedures for moving China uh, from a peacetime status to a wartime footing. Uh, the audio of this meeting was leaked out to the West. The audio is online. Translations are now being done by several different parties uh, of that audio. Um, it's not all done yet. It's very tedious, as you might imagine. Uh, but those uh, translations are coming out. I believe that part one so far is what is out. But for those <clears throat> Mandarin speakers who've already uh, perused or you know, listened to the proceedings of, of this meeting uh, in Mandarin, um, here are the objectives uh, of that meeting among the, the CCP and the PLA. Um, a surprise, well, maybe not so much a surprise anymore now, um, but military attack against Taiwan. Um, the war footing uh, is to begin taking place by next month, June. The attack against Taiwan is uh, scheduled to be uh, in October of this year. Yes, uh, ahead of the November Chinese Communist Party um, Central Committee elections, uh, where Xi Jinping, the current um, uh, party leader wants to 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 be voted in for a third term. So before that, before our elections in November as well, by the way. So uh, surprise military attack against Taiwan for October. Uh, and then the seizure of the entire first island chain uh, of the archipelago that curves, lies outside of, off the shore of um, the Chinese mainland. Mm -hmm. And... Um, that, uh, that territory, which uh, sometimes China would call uh, the nine, within the nine dash line, because that's the line they've drawn, China's drawn, to encompass all these areas that wants to claim. But that, that area would include islands, territory uh, belonging to or claimed by Indonesia, Japan, Philippines, and Russia, in addition to China. And then finally, the third major goal of um, this preparation meeting uh, was uh, to develop plans to sweep all United States and allied naval vessels presence out of the South China Sea 
uh, out from within that first island chain within the nine dash line in those places I just told you about. Um, two places um, have published uh, about this, um, this, this meeting, this leaked audio recording of the meeting. Uh, Gateway Pundit did a very good and a lengthy one that um, was published on 16 May. It's called Audio Leaked of Chinese Military Meeting Discussing the Invasion of Taiwan and Defeat of Regional U.S. Forces. Uh, and I'll just tell you a few of the things that Gateway Pundit um, reported uh, in that article there uh, that they were discussing at the meeting. Again, this is CCP and PLA discussing building a civilian military mobilization command and control system, establishing wartime procedures, preparing for wartime command and control, quote, smash Taiwan independence and ensure victory, this is another quote, in a decisive battle in the South China Sea. Guangdong province itself that I mentioned before, it alone, just that province, that one province of China has been ordered to mobilize massive resources for the invasion of Taiwan to include mustering 140,000 military personnel, 953 ships, 1,653 unmanned aircraft, that would be UAVs or drones, other things like uh, airport uh, facilities, shipyards, <coughs> excuse me, uh, shipyards, by the way, uh, in Guangdong province um, are being um, geared up to refit or retrofit uh, civilian um, vessels, uh, merchant marine and fishing I did vessels. I that part, yeah. Uh, to, um, to carry naval armaments. Now, once any of those would uh, use such naval armaments, the, the element of surprise would, would be gone. But at, in the first instance, that could be pretty devastating. So six, uh, six shipyards there in Guangdong doing that. Uh, all kinds of other um, uh, assets being readied. 64 10,000 ton roll-on, roll-off ships. These are the kind where you can roll yeah. tanks and armored vehicles onto and off of. Uh, so 64 of those, 10,000 uh, ton size. Aircraft, trains, I mean, on and on. Um, and then in addition, oh, this is the last thing I'll mention, uh, from the audio recording, um, and this is in the Gateway Pundit uh, report, um, a political commissar, um, a major general from the Guangdong military region spoke on the audio tape about commandeering all of Chinese assets and resources, both domestic and international. In other words, per the people's war concept. Uh, for example, um, uh, using uh, assets of its Belt and Road Initiative, which mm -hmm. are all over the world. Uh, chip manufacturing was mentioned specifically. Now that's important because for the United States and, and, and other places in the West too, but here for the United States, I think it's over 90% of all the micro, microchips, uh, you know, transponders that we use to make all kinds of things from automobiles to cell phones, more than 90% of those come from Taiwan. So think about that. This was explicitly mentioned in the audio. Um, 
And then I guess the last thing I'll say here is uh, I've got some notes I'm looking at. Um, the, the explicit mention of sweeping the South China Sea uh, free of, of US and other allied naval vessels um, explicitly imply, uh, well, that's a contradiction in terms, isn't it? Um, but, 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 but explicitly means um, you know, that there would be direct naval conflict uh, between U.S. and other allied vessels. It's not just, you know, uh, Taiwan itself, South Korea, Japan, maybe Indonesia. Uh, other uh, allied ships are there. U.K. ships are there. Canadian ships are there and more. But that, that speaks to the intent and the expectation by the Chinese senior military command that there would be direct naval conflict with us, the United States, and this you know group of of, of other uh, allied uh, naval vessels so that's what i wanted to to mention to you and and, and your listeners um i think uh, that we do need to get this validated and corroborated yes and we are still waiting for the full translation from mandarin into english um as i've said that's a long and a kind of a tedious process but it's coming out it, uh, some of it is already online um but it seems to me that, that this is something that needs to be taken seriously. Um, and although I have already sent this information to any number of former senior retired military, um, think tank people and others, uh, the one and only person that I have seen uh, speaking out, uh, or maybe two, uh, about this threat are Stephen Mosier uh, on another um, interview program and uh, uh, of course, Gordon Chang, who, mm -hmm. who is very much on top of all of these matters. But other than that, um, it's, it's kind of in crickets, which is hard for me to understand. Of course, there's a lot else going on as we've talked about here today. <clears throat> so if they're going to sweep, that would mean a direct off, directly offensive, I mean, in all- Yes, of, that, uh, is, that is the, the gist of, of of what they spoke about at this meeting, yes. So, in, in all of my armchair military expertise, that I mean, that would pretty much mean they're banking on the you playing chicken with the U.S. and just banking on us not. Because if you if you Perhaps. attack our ships Perhaps. and you take us over, yeah. I mean, yeah. we're just going to use to to Biden's credit, and I pointed this out right during at the beginning of his administration. I have no idea if it was Biden or overlap from Trump, whatever. Was, I think it's called the Pacific Deterrence Initiative. And um, it was like a triple layer of a ground, uh, ground-based, short to medium range nuclear warheads kind of buffering us in the South China Sea. I mean, if you sink an aircraft carrier, there's no other response, but okay, we're, we're just going to go one up on you. We're not going to let you kind of, you know, take a shit on us. It's It's pretty much... They're playing chicken and banking on that we yeah. won't fire nukes. It, it may well be that. Now, um, many will likely have heard um, President Biden during his um, uh, trip uh, these last few days to East Asia uh, when he, he, he maybe misspoke, maybe just blurted out the, the quiet part out loud. Um, but in answer to a reporter's question, uh, about um, you know uh, if 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 China uh, were to attack Taiwan, 
I'm paraphrasing, but uh, would, would the United States respond militarily? And uh, President Biden answered with just one word, yes. He didn't expand on that, yes. And for the next 24, 48 hours, uh, probably to the present time, uh, the White House has been absolutely frantically trying to walk that back to say that nothing has changed in US policy of ambiguity. Well, there's not much ambiguity about that. Yeah. Um, and that we stand by the Taiwan Relations Act, which defines uh, the relationship between us and pledges the United States to provide uh, whatever uh, advanced cutting edge uh, technology weaponry, defensive weaponry that Taiwan needs to provide that to them. Um, and that's the official statement that's been coming out of the White House since that other statement by the president. So is this just the the manifestation of, uh, what is it, Thucydides' trap? Or, well, when there's a rising power, they will, owe, like, like 19 out of 20 times in world history, like the rising power will eventually fall into conflict with the existing hegemon. Is that just what this is? It, 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 it may be. Um, I, I know what you're talking about, the, the, uh, the citizens trap. Uh, it certainly seems that, that um, you know, the CCP is, is determined uh, to provoke um, a military confrontation. Uh, from this meeting, there's no other uh, analysis that can be taken from it, except that they fully intend to uh, provoke a military confrontation or you know, as, as you're kind of implying there, Tommy, that um, they, they would like rather to intimidate um, yeah. the United States and, and the rest uh, to, to not put up a fight. Now, I think yeah. quite uh, to the contrary, uh, Taiwan most certainly will put up a fight just as Ukraine is doing. And by the way, I mean, China has got to be watching what's going on in Ukraine. You know, the massive miscalculation by the Russians who thought they could, you know, move in, take over the capital, uh, decapitate the government, install a puppet and be done, uh, you know, and back home for their vodka in about a week. And that's not happened at all. They're not capable of taking the entire country by any stretch of the imagination. Um, terrible fighting going on still, of course, in the Donbass and a very dangerous situation along the south, the, the coastal area of the Black Sea, Odessa, uh, being targeted. But point being um, that the Ukrainians, uh, under the incredible leadership of their president, uh, Volodymyr Zelensky, you know, have fought back very effectively and with uh, a military and, and, and weaponry um, that at the beginning of this, this uh, invasion by Russia was not as advanced or plentiful or you know, technologically cutting edge as what Taiwan has right now. Yeah. So China's got to be watching that, but they still want Taiwan and they want the domination uh, of, of that coastal area of, of the South China Sea so badly Yeah. Uh, that they may be willing to risk all for it. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like a reverse Cuban Missile Crisis. It's like, how much do you really want this island? You know, like United States, how much do you really want Taiwan? It will, I, I think best case, I mean, obviously best case scenario is none of this happens. But I think best case scenario would be just kind of, it would just be a Pacific version of what we're seeing right now. 
it'd be global sanctions and everybody dumping money and aid into Taiwan like they are Ukraine. Mm. Well, I mean, the most most important response would come from the immediate area, and that would be those nations which have uh, naval vessels or fishing vessels even. Uh, I mean, in in the South China Sea, and if if they were uh, attacked, um, what has to hold together is an immediate response. <clears throat> excuse me, from uh, what we call the Quad, that would be India, Japan, Australia, the United States. But in addition, the neighboring countries, which, as I mentioned, are very much uh, part of part of the targeting by the by the PLA, uh, as I mentioned, um, you know, Japan certainly, um, Indonesia, South Korea, uh, Taiwan itself, of course. Um, there has to be an immediate response from them um, backed up by these other things. Uh, Gordon Chang spoke at um, the recent Rock the Red USA conference held in Greenville, South Carolina a couple of weekends ago. And um, his, his uh, uh, advice, which is not immediate, but, but needs to happen, is in a word decoupling. Uh, yeah. he, he, he said, we've got to decouple our economies from dependence on China. I mean, if we still want to import children's toys and, and microwave ovens, okay, fine. But anything that is of any um, serious national security uh, interest um, it, to include things like, like pharmaceutical drugs, mm-hmm. uh, but anything else uh, in that category as well, we need to find other sources, reliable, allied, friendly partner sources, uh, if not bringing that kind of manufacturing right back home, which is the best alternative of all of them. So uh, those are the responses um, you know, that I, I think need to happen. Well, this was a very uh, optimistic podcast. <laughs> not not terribly, and I, I know we're over time for you, Tom. Yeah, no, yeah, so uh, yeah, yeah. My 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 brain is going to give out any second. We can wrap it up here. Um, well, Miss Lopez, thank you for carrying this podcast for me. Thank you for, thank you for having me on Clarecast. And um, <laughs> as as thank always, you. I will put all the uh, links to your stuff in the description. And uh, thank you very much for uh, right. bear, bearing with my sluggish mind right now. Thank was... you, and. Uh, <laughs> Take care of yourself. (laughs) Catch you next week. I will. Thank you so much, Claire. Miss Claire Lopez. Go check her stuff out. Thank you.